Volume 4, Chapter 3 of Cecilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Lucy Burgoyne. Cecilia. Memoirs of an Heiress. By Frances Burney. Volume 4, Chapter 3. A Conflict. The day following this happy intellectual arrangement, Cecilia was visited by Mr. Monckton, that gentleman who had inquired for her immediately after the Harolds went to their villa, and who had flattered himself with reaping much advantage from their absence by frequent meetings and confidential discourses, suffered the severest mortification when he found that her stay in town rendered her not the less inaccessible to him, since he had no personal acquaintance with the Delvilles, and could not venture to present himself at their house. He was now received by her with the more than usual pleasure. The time had seemed long to her since she had conversed with him, and she was eager to ask his counsel and assistance in her affairs. She related to him the motives which had induced her to go to St. James Square, and the incorrigible obstinacy with which Mr. Harrell still continued to encourage the addresses of Sir Robert Floyer. She earnestly entreated him to become her agent in a business to which she was unequal, by expostulating in her cause with Mr. Harrell, and by calling upon Sir Robert himself to insist upon his foregoing his unauthorized pretensions. Mr. Monckton listened eagerly to her account and request, and when she had finished, assured her he would deliberate upon each circumstance of the affair, and then maturely weigh every method he could devise to extricate her from an embarrassment which now grew far too serious to be safely neglected. I will not, however, continued he, either act or give my opinion without further inquiry, as I am confident there is a mystery in this business which lies deeper than we can at present fathom. Mr. Harrell has doubtless purposes of his own to answer by this pretended zeal for Sir Robert, nor is it difficult to conjecture what they may be. Friendship in a man of his light caste is a mere cover, a mere name, to conceal a connection which has its basis solely in the licentious convenience of borrowing money, going to the same gaming-house, and mutually communicating and boasting their mutual vices and intrigues, while all the time their regard for each other is equally hollow with their regard for truth and integrity. He then cautioned her to be extremely careful with respect to any money transactions with Mr. Harrell, whose splendid extravagance he assured her was universally known to exceed his fortune. The countenance of Cecilia during this exhortation was testimony sufficient to the penetrating eyes of Mr. Monckton that his advice came not too soon. A suspicion of the real state of the case speedily occurred to him, 
and he questioned her minutely upon the subject. She endeavoured to avoid making him any answer, but his discernment was too keen for her in artificial evasion, and he very soon gathered all the particulars of her transactions with Mr. Harrell. He was less alarmed at the sum she had lent him, which was rather within his expectations, than at the method she had been induced to take to procure it. He represented to her in the strongest manner the danger of imposition, nay, of ruin, from the extortions and the craft of money-lenders, and he charged her upon no consideration to be tempted or persuaded again to have recourse to such perilous expedients. She promised the most attentive observance of his advice, and then told him the acquaintance she had made with Miss Belfield, and her sorrow for the situation of her brother, though satisfied for the present with the plan of young Delville, she now gave up her design of soliciting his counsel. In the midst of this conversation, a note was delivered to her from Mr. Delville Senior, acquainting her with his return to town, and begging the favour of her to call in St. James Square the next morning, as he wished to speak to her upon some business of importance. The eager manner in which Cecilia accepted this invitation, and her repeated and earnest exclamation of wonder at what Mr. Delville could have to say, passed not unnoticed by Mr. Monckton. He instantly turned the discourse from the Belfields, the Harolds, and the Baronet, to inquire how she had spent her time during her visit in St. James Square, and what was her opinion of the family after her late opportunities of intimacy. Cecilia answered that she had yet seen nothing more of Mr. Delville, who had been absent the whole time, but with equal readiness and pleasure she replied to all his questions concerning his lady, expatuating with warmth and fervour upon her many rare and estimable qualities. But when the same interrogatories were transferred to the son, she spoke no longer with the same ease, nor with her usual promptitude of sincerity. She was embarrassed, her answers were short, and she endeavoured to hasten from the subject. Mr. Monckton remarked this change with the most apprehensive quickness, but forcing a smile, "'Have you yet?' he said, observed the family compact in which those people are bound to besiege you and draw you into their snares. "'No, indeed,' cried Cecilia, much hurt by the question. I am sure no such compact has been formed, and I am sure, too, that if you knew them better, you would yourself be the first to admire and do them justice. My dear Miss Beverley, cried he, I know them already. I do not, indeed, visit them, but I am perfectly acquainted with their characters, which have been drawn to me by those who are most closely connected with them and who have had opportunities of inspection which I hope will never fall to your share, since I am satisfied the trial would pain, though the proof 
would convince you. "'What then have you heard of them?' cried Cecilia, with much earnestness. "'It is, at least, not possible any ill can be said of Mrs. Delville.' "'I beg your pardon,' returned he. "'Mrs. Delville is not nearer perfection than the rest of her family. "'She has only more art in disguising her foibles, "'because, though she is the daughter of pride, "'she is the slave of interest.' "'I see you have been greatly misinformed,' said Cecilia warmly. "'Mrs. Delville is the noblest of women. "'She may, indeed, from her very exaltation, have enemies, "'but they are the enemies of envy, not of resentment, "'enemies raised by superior merit, "'not excited by injury or provocation. "'You will know her better hereafter,' said Mr. Monkton calmly. I only hope your knowledge will not be purchased by the sacrifice of your happiness. And what knowledge of her, sir, cried Cecilia, starting, can have power to put my happiness in danger? I will tell you, answered he, with all the openness you have a claim to from my regard, and then leave to time to show if I am mistaken. The Delville family, notwithstanding its ostentatious magnificence, I can solemnly assure you, is poor in every branch, alike lineal and collateral. But is it therefore the less estimable? Yes, because the more rapacious. And while they count on each side of dukes, earls, and barons in their genealogy, the very wealth with which, through your means, they project the support of their insolence, and which they will grasp with all the greediness of avarice. They will think honoured by being employed in their service, while the instrument, all amiable as she is, by which they attain it, will be constantly held down as the disgrace of their alliance. Cecilia, stung to the soul by this speech, rose from her chair, unwilling to answer it, yet unable to conceal how much it shocked her. Mr. Monckton, perceiving her emotion, followed her, and taking her hand, said, I would not give this warning to one I thought too weak to profit from it, but as I am well informed of the use that is meant to be made of your fortune, and the abuse that will follow of yourself, I think it right to prepare you for the artifices, which merely to point out may render abortive. Cecilia, too much disturbed to thank him, drew back her hand, and continued silent. Mr. Monckton, reading through her displeasure the state of her affections, saw with terror the greatness of the danger which threatened him. He found, however, that the present was no time for enforcing objections, and perceiving he had already gone too far, though he was by no means disposed to recant, he thought it most prudent to retreat, and let her meditate upon his exhortation while his impression was yet strong in her mind. He would now, therefore, have taken leave, but Cecilia, endeavouring to recollect herself, and fully persuaded that however he had shocked her, he had only her interest in view, 
stopped him, saying, You think me, perhaps, ungrateful, but believe me, I am not. I must, however, acknowledge that your censure of Mrs. Delville hurts me extremely. Indeed, I cannot doubt her worthiness. I must still, therefore, plead for her, and I hope the time may come when you will allow I have not pleaded unjustly. Justly or unjustly, answered Mr. Monckton, I am at least sure you can never plead vainly. I give up, therefore, to your opinion my attack of Mrs. Delville, and am willing from your commendations to suppose her the best of the race. Nay, I will even own that perhaps Mr. Delville himself, as well as his lady, might pass through life and give but little offence, had they only themselves to think of, and no son to stimulate their arrogance. Is the son, then, said Cecilia faintly, so much the most culpable? The son, I believe, answered he, is at least the chief incentive to insolence and ostentation in the parents, since it is for his sake they covet with such avidity honours and riches, since they plume themselves upon regarding him as the support of their name and family, and since their pride in him even surpasses their pride in their lineage and themselves. Ah, thought Cecilia, and of such a son who could help being proud. Their purpose, therefore, he continued, is to secure through his means your fortune, which they will no sooner obtain than, to my certain knowledge, they mean instantly, and most unmercifully, to employ it in repairing all their dilapidated estates. And then he quitted the subject, and, with that guarded warmth which accompanied all his expressions, told her he would carefully watch for her honour and welfare, and, repeating his promise of endeavouring to discover the tie by which Mr. Harrel seemed bound to the baronet, he left her a prey himself to an anxiety yet more severe than that with which he had filled her. He now saw all his long-cherished hopes in danger of final destruction, and suddenly cast upon the brink of a precipice where, while he struggled to protect them from falling, his eyes were dazzled by beholding them totter. Meanwhile Cecilia, disturbed from the calm of soft serenity to which she had yielded every avenue of her soul, now looked forward with distrust and uneasiness, even to the completion of the views which but a few minutes before had comprised all her notions of felicity. The alliance, which so lately had seemed wholly unexceptionable, now appeared teeming with objections, and threatening with difficulties. The representations of Mr. Monckton had cruelly mortified her, well acquainted with his knowledge of the world, and wholly unsuspicious of his selfish motives, she gave to his assertions involuntary credit and even while she attempted to combat them, they made upon her mind an impression scarce ever to be erased. 
full, therefore, of doubt and inquietude, she passed the night in the discomfort and irresolution, now determining to give way to her feelings, and now to be wholly governed by the counsel of Mr. Monckton. End of chapter 3